Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are my fellow Star Trek Voyager series regular, Robert Duncan McNeil, and myself, Garrett Wong. So remember, you can get the full version of this podcast by signing up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers. Hello, Robbie. Hello, sir. How are hey, you? I'm okay. Okay. Good, good. What's new in the hood? What's new? <laughs> well, my son had his baby. Ooh. And uh, yeah, she was born last Saturday. Her name is Sky. Congrats. On March 12th. Yeah, just so excited for him and for uh, for his wife, Noga. And we're really happy. So, so you're a grandpa now. I am a grandpa. How Although do you I feel about have, that? How do you I feel about have, that? I don't feel old enough to to have a grandchild. Um, I decided whatever my nickname is, it's got to be something without a grand or a grand anything. Okay. It's got to be like... You want Papa? You want that? Peepaw. Peepaw. Or Papa Robbie. Well, or, in, so- in the South, it, did yeah. you guys say Meemaw and Papa in no. Georgia? In no. North Carolina? Okay, that's in Tennessee. I know Meemaw and Papa is in Tennessee. So <laughs> that's a, uh, That sounds like a... Uh, Appalachian, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. So Deep you want South. something? You don't want Grand anywhere in that name? I don't think so. I want to be like I don't know, I don't know, huh. Boppy or <laughs> Boppy, Bebaw, Bebaw. I want to be some weird. Yeah, I want. I gotta come up with some weird. Maybe we should take a uh, like some kind a of survey, a, a survey amongst of all of our wonderful what listeners. Would be a weird, odd uh, grandfather name without grand anything okay i'm gonna call you boop boop beep boop beep boop beep, 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 beep. okay yeah <laughs> something like that okay how's everything for you everything's good um Ooh. getting ready to head out to europe to do the zero g flight on oh yeah for the uh, yeah for the european yeah uh, with the european space agency the do- documentary will be um showcasing my zero g flight which i'm nervous i am nervous i'll be perfectly sure. honest with you i mean I this would is be. yeah i mean i will have a an injection of motion sickness medicine that is mm-hmm. injected which is evidently much more hardcore than just standard oral medication pills uh-huh. so i'm gonna go with the hardcore go for it yeah shot, you, don't wanna, you know i don't want to be sick no no that's just gonna be just uh, it's gonna be horrible if i get sick on that flight so that's my big fear that even with that medicine, I, I may still. So I think the goal is not to eat a lot of breakfast, really just so, just to have maybe some water and maybe a pastry or something like a continental mm-hmm. breakfast, nothing. Not big. a lot of sugar. Don't have a lot no, of sugar. In no, I'm okay. I'm okay vomiting a Danish up, but I don't want to vomit okay. eggs and, you know, like a whole. Yeah. Nice. Ah, no. Yogurt. <laughs> a smoothie. <laughs> smoothie. No. <laughs> okay. So this week's episode. Yes, sir. Are you, are you ready for it? I think so. Nothing Human Mm. is the title of this week's episode. So let us go watch this, Robbie. Let us come back and give give our two cents on this episode. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. We will be right back with our recap and discussion of the episode Nothing Human. Hey, everybody. We are back from watching Nothing Human. Yes, we are. Mm. Well... Our guesses on who the director was was incorrect yet again. We oh my should God. always just pick David Livingston. That's it. At this point in our show, I feel like David was directing every other episode. Well, what's interesting is that didn't he direct the episode right before this? So they must he, have moved something they around. They moved it. Yes, correct. Because, because as we know, a, a, one director cannot direct two episodes back to back it doesn't work that way exactly uh, in our show so this was a juggled episodic order clearly yep. because david gets another one <laughs> unbelievable let's start off with our poetry synopsis yes we must first get into the art and poetry of star trek i don't think there's any other podcast <laughs> that turns star trek into poetry I don't think it's ever been done before, I, and I don't think it's going to be done after. I, and I'm going to say there is no, you, you know, there are other other podcasts done by actors, series regulars from other shows, such as The Office Ladies for The Office. Yeah, Community has one, I think. So there's a few out there, 
but mm-hmm. none of them do poetry synopsis. Like no, no, you're getting a very highbrow get... experience yeah, here. It's at the Delta Flyers. You know, it's unparalleled. This is it the really best, is the <laughs> best podcast experience. I hope that our poetry <laughs> inspires people. Actually, I'm kind of not joking now. I'm going to pause yeah. for a second and say, Go. say it. I when we started doing the poetry synopsis, yes. I started writing some haikus just for fun. I know you posted some of those and I started I, doing some of those as well. Like yeah. I will I will answer people on Twitter with a haiku and you were doing that on Instagram, I think is where you're putting maybe. It. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think it's a really creative way to pause to kind of meditate a little bit, open yeah. up your mind. So yeah. I encourage people out there. I know we were joking yeah. before, but it actually uh, working on some, some little simple poetry is a good exercise for mental health. Yes. There you go. Anyway, All right, here we go. Here's my it. haiku. My yes. haiku for nothing human. Torres gets a hug. The alien won't let go. Doctors save her life. Ooh. Oh, you see the plural yeah. doctors? <laughs> Ew, she yeah. gets a hug. And see, I, I, all, I made you it. laugh about that one. You know, yeah, you did. I saw you little have a little smile in your face. Because I, I kept thinking, how am I going to say... You know, she gets, you know, face clamped or, or neck clamped by neck this clamped. thing. I, I had no idea. And it does. And I only get five syllables hug. in the beginning. So Taurus gets a hug. Yeah. It's a hug. That's <laughs> sweet. I hadn't thought of it. That See, this is how poetry, the poetry opens up your mind. It does. Wonderful. Expands right. your mind. Okay, Here we let's go hear. for our limerick poetry synopsis of Nothing Human. Here I can't wait. I can't wait. The doc shares a slideshow with charm. When an alien screech sets the alarm, Balana's life must be saved. Should all ethics be waived? But remember, first, you must do no harm. Oh, yeah. Look at bam, that. Bam, bam, bam. Boom, boom, boom. Just, just. Yeah. You pop out that. I'm so excited. Yeah. Good job, man. You're welcome. All right. Cool. Well, we talked about uh, director David Livingston, mm-hmm. which we keep guessing wrong who directed this. <laughs> yeah. So we might as well just say David Livingston from now Every on. Every time, yes. But I want to bring up something else. Jerry Taylor wrote this screenplay. Yes. And this that. is the very last script that Jerry Taylor is credited with writing. So really? I just want to pause and say Thank one you. of the creators of our show, mm. this was her last uh, episode. And I think... She was fairly happy with it. I think it's a, you know, classic Star Trek moral dilemma kind mm-hmm. of story. And for Jerry to have written this, I just think that's awesome that, that she was yeah still around, still working with us. You know, in a lot of TV shows, the creators of the show, the people that start there are not there a few years later. Like mm-hmm. on Chuck, we did have Chris Fedak stick with us the whole time, but Josh Schwartz took off after season two and was kind of doing other projects. So a lot of times mm. it's very common for showrunners to step away, move on to new projects after a couple of years. And Jerry did that. And Michael Piller did that, but Rick Berman yeah. stuck around and a lot of the writing staff like Ken Biller and mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Braga started with a stick around. Um, mm-hmm. Who else, who were the other people that stuck through it the whole seven years? Mm. Joe Manoski was not really on first season, was he? No, he came in later, but he, he was there until the end once he but came in. he was there until the end yeah. once he came in, but I think he came in later. Yeah, I think it was just Berman and Braga that were always there. But anyway, Jerry Taylor wrote the script. Hats off to her for everything she did for the yeah, show. Yeah, just want to say a quick thank you to Jerry Taylor for everything that she did up until this final, yeah. final contribution by her. Yeah. And we love Jerry. Yeah, for sure. So David Clennon was mm. uh, Krell. Yeah. And David Clennon uh, is most known for his Emmy award-winning performance uh, in 30-something, which is where I remember him from. He was like ran the office or something. Oh, Everybody yeah. worked. I think his very first job, which you know I love to talk about. Yes, you do. Was a movie, a classic film called The Paper Chase. Oh, my goodness. 1973. That was his first uh, job he ever had. Mm. And uh, I know David Clennon is very good friends with Bob Picardo. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. In fact, I remember sometime around filming this episode because I got to be in some scenes with David Clennon. And Mm. I remember he was such a nice guy, just a 
we had a lot of mutual friends from theater days and yeah. all that. So uh, David Clennon was doing a play, this kind of weird experimental play, and it was in a church. Not even a church turned into a theater. It was a church. Hmm. It was like an environmental play. It was like Satan argues with somebody. I can't even remember what the play was, but it was yeah. the audience sort of sat in the church. And then the play happened all around you in the aisles and up in the in the choir loft. And and David Clennon was in that. I remember <laughs> meeting uh, Bob Picardo for dinner one Sunday. And we went to see a matinee or something of this play that David Clennon was in. It was great. I loved it. He was so, an awesome guy. It was kind of like theater in the round, but in a church. Like it was happening yeah. everywhere yeah. in the theater in the church. That's yeah. a really interesting concept. Yeah, it was really interesting. Huh. And uh, okay. David Clennon was awesome. He's a wonderful actor. And then we have uh I think it's Jad Major. Major? I, I don't I think know. It's how you major. I think it's major. I think it's Jad Major. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think so. Um, yeah, Jad was uh, born in 1969. He's from New York City. Um, his very first job was uh, a 1990 film, a thriller called Reversal of Fortune. Mm-hmm. J.D. Cullum was in that movie as well. And uh, he also was in the biopic The Doors that Oliver Stone directed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, interesting, interesting uh, actor. Uh, he did two episodes with us. He did this one, and then he did one in season seven. That's I noticed. Right? Yeah, so, he's done. Yeah, he did two episodes, and a good actor. I thought he did a good job in this. Yeah, episode. tough to come in deep in a series like like ours yeah. and try to be one of the gang. You know, yes. his character was supposed to be have been there the whole time, but right. Uh, you know, all of a sudden he's popping up in season five. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So. For the show, for the episode, Mm. before we start into the plot, I just want to say that uh, one thing I noticed as I watched it was, you know, actors can have patterns, right? That they sort of fall into, like Mm, doing doing certain habits and things like that. And directors can also have patterns and habits. And Mm -hmm. we talked about David Livingston directed the show. We've talked about his use of wide angle lenses Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. But... There was one pattern in this that I thought was new for David, and he was doing it a lot. And that was these long, steady cam kind of oneers that went on and on, and the actors mm. moved constantly. Mm. And I was trying to figure out like, why is this such a pattern in this? Mm-hmm. And as I was looking after I watched it, looking up, you know, some some of the research on the episode, I saw David had been quoted as saying he thought it was a lot of exposition. This episode was just mm. a lot of like mm. yeah. backstory and yeah. back back talk, and so yeah. he wanted to keep it visually uh, energetic. And so he he said, I think in the quote or something, he talked about trying to create a dance with the actors in every mm. scene mm. to never stop moving. And I w- mm. I was like, of course, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, this pattern of these constant honors mm-hmm. that went on, and the camera mm-hmm. kept swirling around. And personally. I find that interesting as long as it stays motivated enough. And I felt like sometimes we weren't motivated, like we were just moving around for the sake of moving around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I felt that a lot. So that's the pattern, I guess yeah. I would say that the overall, when I watched this episode, I was like, oh, we're just, uh, there's, there's this decision made that we're going to be moving. And so we move whether it's motivated or not. Yeah. yeah. And, but well, I think overall it was successful, but sometimes it took me out of it. It was almost too much movement. So. Okay. So, and also because there may be people who just jump in and listen to our podcast for the very first time on this particular episode, yeah. will, you, will you please define what a oneer is to people just in layman's wonder, terms? Yeah. Typically in film, right? You've got cuts. You, you start in one shot and then someone stops and you cut into a close-up and then you cut to their point of view or the mm-hmm. other characters close up and you cut to an insert of the thing they're touching. And, you know, there's a series of cuts in the edit that you make. Multiple shots. Multiple used. shots. A oneer mm-hmm. is one shot that has no cuts that continues. Usually a oneer has movement to it. Mm-hmm. Could be a steady cam, could be a dolly, could be handheld. Mm-hmm but it has some sort of movement. I remember a quote from Rick Berman once he was watching a cut of an episode and he said, he stopped in the middle. Cause I used to go watch Rick give notes during on lunch. Yeah. During yeah. lunch, because I was trying to direct and I wanted Correct. to know like what he liked, what he didn't like. And I remember mm-hmm. once 
And I used this quote for years, although now I don't think it's quite precisely true, but it seemed very wise to me at the time. <laughs> and uh, Rick stopped the, the episode and he just, he just goes, God, everybody's just standing there talking. He says, did anybody tell this director it's motion pictures? That means motion. <laughs> Movement. And then he, go, he goes on to say, either the camera needs to be moving or the, or the actors, actors need to be moving. Yeah. But they can't both be standing still all the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember using that quote a lot and thinking of it, Rick, you know, that little quote stuck with me of yeah. you know, either the camera should be moving, pushing in or wrapping around or doing something, some dolly move or... Mm -hmm. The actors should be moving. All right. So our episode, uh, Nothing Human, starts with a holodeck slideshow with the doctor. We cut to the crowd watching. Uh, Balana's there. Tom's there. Janeway's there. Tuvok's there. A bunch of other uh, of our crew. And but not Harry. Not Harry or Chakotay. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it was interesting because Balana's asleep in the front row. <laughs> yeah. Janeway's like got her you know head in her hands like just <laughs> in shock and tom is sitting there between them looking back and forth like what are we doing here it was very <laughs> yeah, funny yes i loved our silent reactions to the doctor just so pleased with himself <laughs> and then uh, he pauses at one point and everybody starts to get up and then he go, he continues on and everybody says classic comedy it was very funny and then the doctor shows a slide of tom covered in mud <laughs> And I got to say, I remember doing this now. Remember when I had to take a photo, take a bunch of photos for yeah. this slideshow thing. And they put me in a uniform, took me over to the cave set and just dumped mud. It was like... Okay, so no. this was just for this episode. This is not taken from another episode. Where I don't think so, no. I think this was just a photo. <laughs> yeah. And I remember it was oh a, my a God. covered in mud. Yeah, you were covered. And yeah. they put me in like a either a plastic or maybe even a baby like a kiddie pool or something so that the water and the mud would collect oh, so wait, yeah go everywhere hmm. covered everything yeah then i remember going back to my trailer and having <laughs> to take a shower and i think it's the <laughs> only time that i took a shower at work in that trailer in your entire seven years it was I that think so. the only time well, you know, part of the reason why we didn't take regular showers is because the head of Transpo, what was the guy? Larry, Larry Dukes. Larry Dukes. Yeah. Larry would say like, he'd come over like, he's like, hey, just so you know, got to be really quick in the showers. We don't have a lot of water in that tank or something like that. Right. <laughs> was, yeah, there's like limited amount of water in it that he uh -huh. would have to top off. So so you took the, your one shower and that I think so been... to get the mud off. I yeah. remember it just being a mess. And yeah, I was just like, why me? Why do I have to be the one in the mud? <laughs> um, That's funny. It was very funny. Mm. And he's he uh, he says, uh, not done yet. You know, he's got to, everybody sit down. He's got a funny uh, he, uh, 12 part slide essay uh, <laughs> titled Under the Skin or something like that. So he's going to talk about the organs of humanoid species. And he starts with the first slide is the Vulcan reproductive gland, <laughs> which I was like, whoa, whoa, I froze it. I'm like, that's the Vulcan. But he said, a, yeah, uh, it looks like a heart actually, yeah, yeah. Like, or a liver <laughs> or, a or liver. a stomach. Yeah, or, so, yeah. It was very funny. Just that whole beginning scene. You're right. The doctor is so full of himself. It's so funny. It's just it's like very this is, funny. This is this is his grand performance for everybody uh -huh. on the on the bridge uh, or in the crew. You jump into the bridge. Harry and Chakotay are there, and Harry reminds Chakotay of what time it is, and Chakotay's like, "I know what time it is." And then Harry then reiterates the reason why he's reminding him is, is because Chakotay had promised to rescue Janeway and company after yes. 30 minutes of this hollow image. Uh -huh show and then chakotay tells harry well remember we had to endure two hours of this hollow image show don't you think it's unfair that we deprive our fellow crewmates of this wonderful experience yeah, it's very it's very, very sarcastic you know and it's so funny because that's when you have a corridor scene everyone's leaving and they're into yes. the corridor and they talk about how chakotay disobeyed orders so yeah, nice why didn't they comedic. why didn't they go to the yellow alert somebody says and Janeway says, I think this is uh, um, uh, needs a court martial or right. something. Like, yeah. yes. So yes. there's some humor there that Jerry Taylor threw in there. I like that. Very funny. Mm -hmm. Very funny. We go into the mess hall. Yes. And uh, Paris and Bellon are going in the mess hall. And I was like, and, and Paris orders some coffee. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, wait a minute. You said it was 2,100 hours. This was a two hour slideshow we had to endure. That means right. it's 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And you're ordering coffee. And Paris is ordering <laughs> coffee. I was like, wait a minute. What? Why am I on the midnight shift next? <laughs> yeah, like, that's do, I, do I need to stay up? But that's, that's rule number one. You don't need coffee at 11. Yeah. But then <laughs> I realized a moment later, the ship shakes and it was to set up the joke line. Yeah. That Paris says, what did you put in this coffee, Neil? Right. And then you guys run. You just run out of there to the bridge. By the way, these are like the biggest shakes I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, those are huge shakes, huge shakes. Yeah. And then it turns out there's minor damage. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like well, they- <laughs> we've been in battles that haven't shaken this hard and almost lost <laughs> the-, the entire ship. But this, I think the shakes were overdone as Point. Yeah. Well, you much. know how the you know how the camera goes from you guys to it it actually pans like over pans over it pans yeah. over to Neelix's little kitchen area and you see that whole thing start shaking and things falling off. So yeah. I'm guessing that was probably Will Tom's at the very bottom crouched down shaking it, you know, yeah. at the bottom, right, to cause it to fall over. Yeah, anything like that like when the set has to when there's wind or doors or things mm-hmm. shaking, that yeah. is the onset practical effects department they right. do the opening of the closing of the doors right they do fire steam mm-hmm, mm-hmm. shaking things mm-hmm. and will toms was awesome he was yeah. great yeah really good all right let's go to the bridge and there is a massive energy wave coming towards us mm-hmm. and we change course and that doesn't help because it actually follows us which is crazy it hits us the wave there's no damage no but harry makes a, a quick uh, uh, announcement he says the communications array received a download when the wave mm-hmm. hit. So this is very strange. So we then play this message and it's just this unintelligible screeching of some alien life form. That's all we know. It was and very irritating. That's very great. irritating for sure. And then I think is it Paris that, that says, hey, there's Paris an ion trail. Yeah. yeah, I found the point of origin. Let's yeah. go. She says, find that ship. We come back to the bridge and we have found the ship and it's damaged. And there's some kind of, we think maybe the screeching is a distress signal. There's one right. life form who's injured, needs yeah. our help. Faint life sign. Yeah. Faint life sign. So Janeway says, beam it over here. We'll fix it. We'll beam help it. Beam it to sick bay. Another and Janeway. I, I mean, <laughs> I love Jane. I love Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> But like, but you do uh, question Captain Janeway's decisions, though. Yeah, I, mean, I know I don't, you do. There's like yeah. a screeching, a <laughs> ship we've never met. We don't know these people, and we're gonna just bring it on beam board. board. Just beam them aboard. That's just the way it works. You just beam them aboard. Why don't we a, go over there and make sure that it's? I don't know. Because we know like, that ship is unstable. That's why. So yeah, it feels but like you know what I'm saying. I like, do know what you're saying. Maybe we should, you know, think twice about beaming a strange alien life form yeah. aboard we don't know if our our you know force fields can hold it contain no, it within we a yeah we don't know which clearly it doesn't later um yes. so we're in sick bay and torres comes in and the alien is on the bio bed and there is a containment field there torres mm-hmm. debriefs the captain saying some interesting facts that the alien uses biochemical secretions to pilot its ship to send commands to its ship which is really super cool and she's still talking about what's going on and that's when the alien propels itself off of the bio bed and through the force field. Now, doesn't does anyone even ask? Does anyone even mention about the no. fact that this thing flew through a force field? How did it yeah. even do that? I don't even. I don't know. I don't get. I, that's it. what I'm saying. Clearly, it's, I, it has. I don't know some yeah, amazing know. properties. And right? by the way, it flies through the force field, hits yeah. what I think is a stunt actress. That's falling backwards. Yeah. And all you see in the side of the frame is the stunt actress's hand doing, doing the hand, this. doing that, <laughs> doing like fast, fast, wavy hands. I don't think that was Roxanne. Fast jazz hands. Was that it? Yeah. The funny thing about Star Trek stunts is either mm. sometimes they're either too big and like over the top. Yeah. Or yeah. they're too small that like, yeah. You know, it's Seven not walks past, taps them on the shoulder, and they collapse. <laughs> they fall like, down, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not always based in reality, our stunts. So when that lizard right. came and you see the, the Bellana double going back and the hand going, ah, oh, like this. 
it just seemed a little on the over the top end. Okay. But, All uh, right. So we're either too subtle or way over the top. That's just how hard. we do it. That's yeah, how we, we do it on Voyager. We have trouble finding that natural the, middle. The middle ground. Yes. Okay. You know, everyone's freaking out. The doctor's freaking mm-hmm. out a lot. I mean, lately he's had so many emotions where he's screaming and yelling in multiple episodes. And here he mm-hmm. is saying, don't do anything. It might hurt Torres. And Janeway says, Harry, beam the alien back to its vessel. And Harry can't get a lock. And then we figure out that this alien mm-hmm. has basically just got its it, it it has kind of used like Torres, a parasite like a, yeah like a parasite like a life using, support like a life support it's using Torres as like a, a battery like an energy source yeah. to keep it alive but now mm-hmm. it's completely weaved itself into all of Torres's you know internal internal organs, organs and, and her her yeah, circulatory says system we can't get take I can't just surgically remove this without yes. risking her life and so Correct. we don't want to do that at this point, Paris is in there and he's very upset. And this is the first time I made a note of like, here's a one we're walking around. <laughs> like, why do we all, as we're trying to find a solution for Balana, mm. why does the doctor walk into his office, then Janeway follows, then Paris shows up? Like, we've left Balana alone, unsupervised. Like, you don't even, yeah, you, that's for no so reason. Weird. We didn't yeah. need to go in his office no, to have this you conversation. You could have stayed there. You we could have stayed, stayed right there. It just felt like this was the first time I went, oh, this is that one that where mm-hmm. we're just moving and dancing. And mm-hmm. it's cool. It definitely has energy. Yeah. Um, and it flowed I, well, you know, it flowed well. Mm-hmm. It was a well done one But fundamentally yeah. to me, I'm like, we didn't need to come in this office. There was right. nothing in here right. that anyone had to physically get no, no. Or information they needed. We could have no. done all of this. All there. of that could have been done by the bio bed for sure. Yeah. And by the way, when I walked in and joined this one at one point, yeah. I kind of point my finger, like to emphasize a point. And I'm like, oh no, am I doing finger acting? I was like, yes, that's, we can do that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, not the finger acting technique. You know, when you talk about, you know, not to do facial mugging for actors, yes. that was finger mugging. You finger mugged that well, particular yeah, shot. And it's funny. That's I, a I don't remember you doing that, but but you can pick it up because it's you. Clearly. It was me. And I, I finger acted <laughs> and, you know, gesturing like to emphasize things yeah. with your hands yeah. is really discouraged in acting. It, it really is. Cool. It's not yeah. a it's a it's a very presentational kind of mm-hmm. way to illustrate, you know, a, right. an emotion or a story. Yeah. And so, um, and so it's really, it's really um, frowned upon, discouraged <laughs> and frowned upon. And we try to, you know, a good actor really tries not to make a point that way. Well, the doctor says he has to brush up on his exobiology. Janeway then suggests that creating a hologram that is an expert in exobiology could be a solution to this. Mm-hmm. If we look in the data, the database, we can find something to create this hologram. And I think Paris is like, Harry can do, do yes. this. Yeah. Harry, let's bring Harry in. So yeah. that brings us into the corridor with the walk and talk with Harry and the doctor discussing mm-hmm. what needs to be done. The end of the walk ends up in the holodeck. And this is when Harry uh, brings up the exobiology master himself, Dr. Krell Moset. That's when Harry goes, uh, hey, Doc, did you know this is a guy was a Cardassian? Mm -hmm. And the doctor's like, who cares what he is as long as it helps Balana? That was the initial argument, right? We come back to the holodeck and the doctor is informing Krell of Balana's predicament that she Mm -hmm. is currently in. And Krell's very interested. Krell's like, oh, this is my specialty uh, right up my alley. And, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned that they are friends that they yeah. know each other and you can tell there's chemistry between these two yeah when they're, when they're on screen there's definitely a bond there which is very yeah. nice yeah agreed i transfer him to sick bay where where you're there and torres is still in the bio bed and doc and Krell mm-hmm. show up this is when he says um mr paris uh don't be rude and you're like well doc he's just a and you stop yourself before saying hologram because the doctor is also a hologram um that was that scene so that's that's how yep. that happens and he comes around and checks on on torres that was a scene that, as you say, you can see the chemistry with Bob Picardo and David Clennon. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when Krell says something like, well, someone in, he, he feels appreciated by the doctor. And so yeah, he's someone like, well, in Starfleet. someone in Starfleet appreciates me. <laughs> yeah. So they yeah. both kind of sound a lot. You know, you're starting to go, oh, these are twinsies. Like these Very two characters so. are going to be buddies. The chemistry of the real life friendship was there. So that was all 
great. Yeah, so we just finished sick bay. We're in the briefing room or a room, and Chicote and Janeway try to decipher the audio message that was downloaded when the wave hit us. The screeching. It's Chicote who suggests looking into the alien ships data banks to maybe mm -hmm. give a little bit more um uh, give us some more information to try to decipher this message mm -hmm. and so then janeway asked seven to download the data in that room with janeway and chakotay they're looking at the audio message in a graph format yes 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 and it looks like strands of dna so mm -hmm. this alien's language i guess doesn't have normal audio waveforms like yeah. I, I just thought it was interesting it was definitely like when you look at an audio editing system or you look yes. at any kind of audio analysis, it's usually a waveform. It's like, a, right. you know, it traveled, yeah. the audio does this, or maybe right. you have a round sort of how, how and where the sound is coming from. Yeah. This was like DNA strands, which I thought was an odd choice to represent audio, but I guess yeah. that was our, their way of saying, this is not like no other audio we've ever seen before. So we can't decipher it. But yeah. I, th I just thought the graphic choice was unconventional for the audio and interesting. So it that was. would be Denise and uh, Mike Akuda. And in right. the spirit of finger mugging, you were just explaining the waveform with a lot of gestures. Yeah, see, there you, you go. You, People do it. You were People doing it. People do it. You were doing but it. But the pointing <laughs> acting, point acting is bad. Yeah. Try not to point act out there, yeah. actors. You know, Janeway asked Seven to help download this mm -hmm. data, and it flashes over to engineering where Seven is working. And she says that the alien ship is on the verge of a complete system failure and we need to download. If we're going to download this info, it's got to happen quickly. Mm -hmm. And so she says, prepare to download the data to Jad Major's character, Tabor. This is the first time mm -hmm. we, see, we see him. And the first time we see him and hear him, he answers her. He says, I heard the captain. And it almost, it's, it reminded me of Mr. Burns, from the Simpsons, sort of, no, ah, funny. Smithers. I mean, it, it's sort of like a very, <laughs> kind of, and he's like, I heard the captain. Just the way he said it sounded very Smith, uh, very Mr. Burns-ish in, in my funny. estimation. That's how I heard. Because it's sort of, it's sort of uh, more of a, uh, what would I say? Subdued voice, you know? It's a well, very lighter Well, typically on our, on Star Trek, we were told and instructed to be mm. very kind of formal and classic kind of, you know, energy and mm. almost theatrical and mm. military in a lot of ways. So when you have some of our guest stars come on and they sort of take a different approach, they're quiet yeah. or, or they're, yeah. you know, quirky or in whatever yeah. way it does it stick out. out. It, it does stick out. out for sure. But I liked it though. Nothing against his, his, no, his no, 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 not at I, all. It's, I think saying. it's great to have those mm. different vibes. So now we jump back to the bridge and the ship explodes. We see the ship exploding. By the way, this bridge shot, was the lowest angle for a wide lens I've ever seen on our show. Oh, wow. It, I didn't even I, notice that. Yeah, okay. I, th I think, uh, you know, Janeway comes out of her uh, the briefing room or wherever yeah. she was. You're almost looking straight up her nostrils as she walks out. So the camera was feet. on the, the camera was on the floor. It had to have been the on, camera the floor. Was on the floor. And then yeah. you pan over to the bridge and it's the widest lens I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Bunch of low down on the floor, mm. fisheye lenses, making yeah. the ship, everything look huge. Very cool shots. Not not normal for our show, no, but for David, very normal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, the ship explodes. We do have an exterior cool space shot. Yes, because look at that explosion compared to other explosions. Other explosions that we see on Voyager, it's just a bunch of fiery kind of plasma yeah, they stuff kind of going out. bury the detail right. in smoke and but stuff. But good Lord, the detail of this ship coming apart at the yep. seams was like, man. Yeah, it was cool. Did they have extra budget for this on this episode? Or what, I mean, what happened? I, Maybe. Wow. I was so Maybe. impressed with that. Yeah. And it was, a, and it was literally what two second shot of that thing exploding, but I yeah. was so impressed. I was like, wow, that's a good explosion. They yeah, did it was a good. good job on that one. All right. We jumped to sick bay and the mm -hmm. doc and Krell are still discussing Torres' situation. And they say that the alien is using Balana as a life preserver. And Krell yeah. says that only if he had access to his laboratory, if I had my laboratory here, mm -hmm. I could, fix everything and the doc says wait a minute we can recreate your lab 
on a yes. holodeck on the holodeck yeah. we can do this what do you remember everything about he's like i spent more time in my lab than my home so yes i know everything about it so that's what they do we're back into sick bay and balana regains consciousness and she begins to talk to tom she looks so cute it almost looks like she has a scarf <laughs> that mm-hmm. she's wearing and she's she's there all cozy or tucked in and she's talking to tom and then she sees krell and she realizes, oh my gosh, who is that? Who is that Cardassian? Even though he's a hologram, she's still not happy that this individual is here to help her situation because exactly. of her past that she was fighting the Cardassian mm-hmm. as a member of the Maquis. So this is mm-hmm. a huge, huge issue with Balana. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. And then we go to Krell's lab. Mm-hmm. Another one <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, just, you're right. Oh they just God. start stacking up. They just, Doc, they do, they do. The, the doctors raves about Krell's the, accomplishment. And Krell says that, uh, uh, you know, he talks about him winning an award. And Krell's like, for awards. the Fustosa virus, the cure yes. for the Fustosa virus. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like, awards don't matter. This is mm-hmm. about the work. And I do believe he he felt that way, uh, mm-hmm. you know. You do feel at this point like this doctor is all about the work. I mean, it's it's interesting exposition here that that he talked about. He's because the doctor says, "Is this the the location where you replicate where you came up with the cure for the virus?" And he says, "No, no, no. I was on Bajor at the time during the occupation." Uh-huh. And that's when he says that, you know, the Cardassians had no business occupying Bajor. And he had limited resources at the civilian mm-hmm. hospital compared to the military hospital, which had everything. So he had to improvise. That was mm-hmm. the main, that's the main thing that I got out of this speech, that he had to be uh, very improvisational in order to get his work done. So then they begin work on the holographic version of the alien they begin to hollow, uh, like a hollow examination, like yeah. they're going to do a dissection or right. an examination of this alien, hollow mm-hmm. alien that they've created. And they begin mm-hmm. to get ready for that. We go to the reading room, ready room mm-hmm. and Janeway and Chakotay are discussing the message still, still trying to decode it. They decide, you know, it, it had to have been a distress call. Right. Maybe if they send it out, if they yeah. take that message that they've saved, yeah. send it out as a distress call. Um, that maybe their his alien species will hear it and will mm-hmm. come, and yeah. they'll know how to help. So they do send this out, and they, we go out to space, and you see this yeah. this thing sent out, and it looks like a shockwave. It was so cool, yeah, because yeah. Tuvok had to reroute all the power to the deflector dish, and they sent this mm-hmm. this message on all subspace bands. So it did look like a giant, giant shock shock wave. wave and i wrote down cool exterior shot of message yeah, being transmitted. Cool. i did like that shot for sure it was cool jump back to krell's lab yeah and he they're both asks, humming by the way yeah, they're they're both, both- <laughs> which bob picardo loves you know music yeah, he, does, he loves he to sing he loves it so this was probably a great moment for bob yeah, he gets I'm, to like hum what do you along. think they were humming what do you think, I think it was an opera humming? an opera or okay. classical music or something like okay. that all right. Yeah. Again, they're working on the hol- holographic alien mm-hmm. and he asked for a scalpel and the doctor is like, wow, this thing looks kind and of it awesome. did like, yeah. like this, scalpels that we recognize now are yeah. just tiny. They're little small. Sharp they're not like that. This that was thing, like a hook. Yeah. Nasty. And that thing, looked, it looked like a Klingon weapon mm-hmm. almost. And the, and then, you know, the doctor is questioning Krell like this, you're going to use this. And he says, well, the simplest tool is the most effective oftentimes now. And so Krell's uh, suggestion of what to do, in essence, the doctor, you know, says, if you do this, this could kill the alien. And this is where the beginning of these ethical issues, um, mm-hmm. you know, the ethical issues begin here. And Krell keeps saying, well, what do you care about what happens to this alien if we, whatever, whatever we do ends up saving Balana, that's, that is the mission. That's the overall goal is to, and mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, and then the doctor goes, what if, what if this individual, what if this alien life form is the, you no, know, well, no, he, he talks about how, what if he is the, uh, you, you know, the most important uh, what was his words? He, he said, what if he's Plato or what if he's that? He, made, he right. makes comments about, you know, you don't know who this person is. He might be someone who contributes in a major way to his yeah. society, to his, his species. species. Yes. And then, uh, and then Corell is like, this could also be a psychopathic murderer. You know, you don't know right. that, you, know, you right. have no clue. So again, this is the beginnings of the ethical issues mm-hmm. in operating on this alien and possibly killing it. And the doctor keeps saying, look, we got to find another way where we can save both. We don't want to just 
get mm-hmm. rid of the alien and the alien dies and then Balan mm-hmm. is alive. We want to keep them both alive if possible. On the end of the scene, Krell starts to destabilize. And this is when Krell begins to fritz a little bit of his program. So the doctor calls Harry to help and mm-hmm. Harry in turn asks Tabor to assist. So now Harry and Tabor are in sick bay with Tom mm-hmm. sort of watching them working. Mm-hmm. And after a few beats, everything gets worked out in terms yep. of fixing the holographic image of Krell. And mm-hmm. so uh, as Krell comes back online, Tabor freaks out. I mean, mm-hmm. freaks out. He goes, Krell Masset. He knows exactly who this is. He says that Krell performed ex- experiments on his grandfather and, and did all types of- He's a of, mass murderer. He's a mass murderer, yeah. And then we have to hold him. Is it you and I that hold him back, kind of? Like no, not here. He just says he's a murderer. It, he yeah, gets, he just says, yeah. He just right. says that. Then they cut to the doctor and Krell. This is the end of the scene. Yeah. And I wrote down here, in this moment, why didn't they cut to Tom or Harry? There's no reaction from anyone when he mm. has this big- all of this news is mm. huge. And the only people we see respond are the doctor and Krell, which I thought was a missed opportunity because, yeah. you know, Torres is in the room. She was awake earlier. She could have right. had a reaction, even if it's just looks, I think mm-hmm. it would have been satisfying to see more of the people react. Right. So we, we missed that back into sick bay. Tabor is furious. Paris has to grab him and pull right. him back. Right. And, and I made a note, you know, when you and I, or, any of our series regulars um, have to do this kind of like grappling and struggling. (laughs) We've built up, like we just know each other and we know how to Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Um, As I watched this, I was like, oh, it looks like this actor was really going for it. And because we don't know each other, there's there's not that built up trust of this is going to be safe. It's always tricky doing these scenes where people are getting really physical because some actors are kind of methody and are not necessarily controlling their, their flopping around. That was a moment when I watched it, I was like, yeah, like, I could see myself going, Oh, this is, this guy's acting like method. Like it's real. Like he's, he's he's into it. Yeah. You might get hit for sure. Yes. And it's just pretend, people. Yeah. Just so you know, I don't want to get hurt playing pretend. Okay. So now we jump to Chicote's office slash quarters. Mm-hmm. Tabor is now giving us all this exposition about what mm-hmm. Krell did. Every single one of Krell's questionable actions against the Bajorans, and it's it's a long list. It's a really yeah. long list, and he's so. He's so passionate and and upset right now, and, mm-hmm. and understandably, I mean, he was a kid when he saw this. So, well, it was just you know. horrible, you know, exposed to radiation, yeah. uh, blinding some of them, depriving them of being able to see for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. exposing others to polytrinic acid. Mm-hmm. It was horrible, horrible experience. Yeah. Go to sick bay, and Bellana will not let Krell operate on her. Yeah, she, nowhere, nowhere near her. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to benefit. She says from other people's tragedies and. She's really upset. The doctor comes in and he first thing he says is, Mr. Paris, did you say something to upset yeah. her? What did you say? Why why are you blaming it on me? Like, no, I didn't. She, it's the it's Krell. It's yeah. you, Doc, not yeah. me. I'm not the problem here. Anyway, she's she upset. Goes into, she, starts, she goes into shock, cytoplasmic shock, she's they say. Yeah. Right? So cytotoxic. Cytotoxic. You have cytotoxic? I have cytoplasmic yeah. shock. Okay, right. let's go with that too. Let's go with both. She goes, she gets into all the shocks. <laughs> um, she goes into shock, and then we cut to engineering. Yeah. And Harry says, "Well, Harry and Seven are researching Krell in engineering. Yes, they They're found like, out they all of his out, crimes. Yeah, and he actually spread the virus. He wasn't trying to. He was. No, yeah, it they, was. They can prove that he purchased yeah. the virus. That mm-hmm. through the logs or the yeah, they find that he he got the virus, but that he didn't get." the antidote or the uh, The enzymes that he needed enzymes that he would need to control Mm. it. And so clearly he was getting it to spread the thing on purpose. And he had, it's, it seems to prove that he has no regard for, for the others lives. And uh, seven makes a comment here. She says, it's interesting because, because he and the Borg are the same with Mm -hmm. no regard for others lives. Mm -hmm. Yet we are the bad guys. That's right. Which was an interesting, it's an interesting comment. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we jump to the holographic Krell lab 
and uh-huh. the doctor is now confronting Krell. And, mm-hmm. you know, Krell's response is, look, I'm only a hologram. I have no memory of the Bajoran experiments. So mm-hmm. he's just like, you know, look, I, I, you can't keep me, you know, you can't blame this on me or you can't get well, al- upset with me about this. Yeah. He also says, you know, your ethics are arbitrary because you did, your people have done animal experiments. Yes, correct. He starts correct. to bring in that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. why is it any different that you're experimenting right. on animals? And, and talking about lower life long. forms and higher life, higher forms, life forms, delineation between yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, oneers galore here. Uh, <laughs> I made a note in this scene. There's, uh, it, it jumped out at me that there's moments where actors are turned away from the other character. Yeah. Sort of talking towards the camera. Right. And I was like, that's, it can be powerful sometimes to have yes. those moments, but there's a lot of that, a lot of like talking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with your back to the other character. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, I think a lot of that was done for camera and shots, not sure. necessarily the most realistic or authentic way of communicating <laughs> in a scene. But, but the, those actors made it work. I think David yeah. Lewis had the right actors yeah. with, with um, it, Dave Clennon and, and Bob Picardo to do that yes. sort of dance. And your eye is, you know, as a director, it's trained to see certain things and and although that you know you were just mentioning it, it can be a little bit awkward where one actor's looking out and towards camera and not at the other actor. But because, sometimes it can be very powerful. Yeah, it can be powerful. But I, my my point being is that of all these oneers in throughout this entire episode, nothing was awkward to me. Like I felt like Good. it still it, it didn't stand out. I didn't question anything. Yeah. Like, I just felt that to me, I he guess did it, it fairly was, smoothly. And it, he did and, it very smoothly. Yeah, I think it was the fact, as I said before we started. It was the pattern. Yes. It was the fact that it became a pattern. Then yes. I started going, oh, we're doing oh, this again and again more. And, and again. again. Yeah. yeah. And uh, all of them were on their own. I felt like really well done. But when you started to see it as a pattern for the episode, that's when it sort of took me out of, oh, we're doing yeah. this more arbitrarily mm-hmm. because that's sort of the, the goal or priority as opposed to each individual scene may be photographed or staged a little differently, unique to its story. Right. unique to what is happening there right it, it sort of became a pattern just yeah. like like i said before sometimes actors can fall into patterns mm-hmm. that that they don't break their pattern because yeah. maybe the scene should be played a little more internally or a little yeah. you know whatever the pattern is um, yeah like so, I, yeah. i'm curious to see in the episodes after this if tom paris does does this more finger you know, acting if that, is acting. that a pattern is that a pattern could lady? be a pattern could be <laughs> um so now uh you know there's that di- huge discussion between the doctor and krell and then mm-hmm. we jump to chakotay's quarters and tabor is at the door and he comes in and he basically says i'm done <laughs> i, yeah, I, I just like I to resign my want... commission i quit yep. you know i don't i don't want to be any part of any organization mm-hmm. that utilizes any help from this guy that basically murdered my grandfather no thanks now- I got a question though. Is this Chakotay's quarters or is it like his office? Because he's yeah, got a desk and yeah, all that. Stuff. So I thought maybe this is the be- the beginning. You walk in and the and the the first room you see is the office. Then his quarters off is off to the side. Or well, maybe he ha- he has his own office. I don't know because there's red lights everywhere, and I I titled this uh, location Club Chakotay because. <laughs> Club Tuvok, uh, Club Chakotay. Club All right. had yeah. the kind of purple lights. Purplish think, lights. Right? And then. Yeah, Club yeah. Chakotay has red. And I just made a note that Janeway doesn't have any disco club lights in her, no. in her office. So no. No. I don't know why Club Chakotay gets an office with lights. But, uh, anyway. you know, I think I think Janeway had a really bad experience clubbing when she was young. That must have been she- it. She's just anti-club now. She's mm-hmm. not into it. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we go to the briefing room next. Whoa, doctor. Heated debate. Oh my god. Yes. Very heated debate. The doctor wants to use the research. Mm-hmm. Paris agrees. Paris is arguing again, handheld in this scene, not yeah. a, not a steady cam scene, mm-hmm. but a lot of. Uh, it's not a oneer, but a lot of movement. Yes. Um, a yes. lot of very emotional acting. I was yeah. really happy with what I did in this. I scene. think oh. you did a great job in this scene. You oh, were definitely you, focused and you were on point and uh, I believed you. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And Chakotay mm-hmm. and Paris kind of go nose to nose at one point. Even Janeway gets very emotional. She does. She, she really gets. Does. Yeah. And she, yeah. she basically says, uh, we're going to continue to use this for now. 
mm-hmm. and everyone's dismissed. And I, I like the moment at the end when Paris walks around and just stops, walks up into that close up with her and says, yeah. thanks. Yeah, that was a nice, a nice shot. It was a nice yeah, moment. Nice shot. Two, it sure. was well staged. We finished this uh, part of the show, cutting back to the holographic lab. Mm-hmm. And we see them preparing to do this procedure. And you see the scalpel tool. You know what I mean? I, I, I had a moment where I, there's a movie called Dead Ringer. It's a David uh, Cronenberg film. Oh. That is just oh, oh, horrific. And oh, all the with the tools. crazy tools. Yes. This and, is and a moment I was they like. Were, weren't they wearing, instead of scrubs that are green, they had red scrubs on yes, in this movie? Oh, yeah, it was, it was really Very creepy. freaky, man. Very that was stylized. So, and that's Twilight how I felt zone. in this moment as they you know, got ready for this procedure uh, getting your tools ready i'm like oh this is going to be a torture moment (laughs) anyway uh we go back (laughs) to uh the bridge and a screech comes through and i see kate mulgrew jump when the screech happens and i thought that was very realistic (laughs) like she really did a good reaction to that horrible screech yeah harry says the vessel is approaching yeah and uh janeway tries to talk to them and say that you know yeah we've got one of your people here he's been injured yeah. and another screech interrupts she jumps again it's great know, great you reaction you know it'd be really cool if yeah. like neelix showed up on the bridge and said hey i speak cytoplasmic life form and he starts going <laughs> and then speaks yeah, that would have that been, been nice cool. yeah yeah it would have been that was like when neelix did the talking to the people <laughs> with gestures and all all the I love that. That was, he, I was hilarious. All the, all the aspiring actors out there. That's the only time you can j- hand gesture. If you're an alien, if you're an alien who that, communicates that with, with your hands. Movement. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was very good. All right. I feel like I bridge. would love to bring that into Resident Alien. I should pitch to, <laughs> I should pitch to Alan Tudyk like... <laughs> At some point, he should speak, you know, to an with, alien or yeah. something with, with movement, movement and gesture. <laughs> Alan exactly. would be so funny doing he that. He would be. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we go back to the hollow lab and Torres has now been moved into this holographic lab and mm-hmm. they're getting ready to perform this uh, procedure. And Krell yeah. um, is leading the way here and he's this he's opened the alien's body and is putting applying these shocks with a cortical probe Mm -hmm. to stimulate it and it's and it's very you see this thing like shaking and the doctor is is really against it the doctor finally can't take it anymore he intervenes because he says lower the frequency lower the frequency he finally does he says i'll take you offline if you don't listen to me so um well, he actually says he fights for. He says instead of the primary node, let's let's move this device to the secondary node. Yep, he has why an do idea. We, yeah, this yeah. is why we can we can save the the alien life form as well. We don't have to kill mm-hmm. it, and so that's that's what happens. A much much less painful approach, mm-hmm. and they can save both of them. So mm-hmm. the doctor is very smart and yes. makes makes a really smart move here. Mm-hmm. We go back to the bridge now. Our power is down. Yep. Uh, because the aliens, in trying to rescue their crew member, have sort of drained our power. So, right, which is kind of symbolic of the way the lizard jumped on Torres and sort of drained her. Yeah, it, it is, and it's weird because the alien ship it it threw a tractor beam on us. So the tractor beam is draining our power. So mm-hmm. it was a tractor beam slash power draining beam at the same yeah. time, which I thought, well, wow, that's interesting. That's kind uh, of their move. They sort of their- drain, they're kind of parasites, <laughs> giant parasites. Uh, we go back to the hollow lab, the procedure's happening. The lizard is dying. Did you just call it a lizard? Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> lizard guy. And I the would doctor- say a centipede, but okay. Yeah, let's go with that. Insect how about lizard. Li- hey, how about a lizard and centipede together? A lizipede. A lizipede. Thank you. A lizipede is a lizipede. dying. Yes. Doctor says we got to substitute uh, something for the metabolic energy that it was using from Balana, and finally they they do they detach this thing with their yeah. procedure and the doc smart moves. The doctor is able to restore its metabolism, and they mm-hmm. beam it right over to the ship. Right, and uh, they beam this alien. They've detached it, mm-hmm. and then on the bridge we hear a screech rah, again. Yeah, and Janeway in a close up looks at him and goes. You're welcome. Welcome. <laughs> and that's she doesn't when they, know what they said. No, she's but, assuming they said thanks. Maybe they said they, screw you. Why no, would you torture our buddy? But then you're I welcome. Get, Maybe that's what she said. You're welcome about. 
Why did you torture our buddy? You're welcome. Um, you're welcome. I, I just think it's funny that you're right. When she says you're welcome, what if the aliens were like, wait a minute, you've been, you know, our language this whole time. You understood yeah, us, exactly. you know, <laughs> you understand cytoplasmic communication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, very funny. You're welcome. Okay. So now we go to uh, the captain's ready room Yeah, and it's Janeway and the doctor talking mm -hmm. and Janeway informs the doctor that Balana's temper has recovered, which is <laughs> very funny. Uh, that she is furious about using uh, the Hollow Doctor, and Janeway asks, "You know, should we delete this program?" Mm. And she ultimately says, "Doctor, this is your decision to make. You're the chief medical officer. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to decide whether we keep this doctor around or not." Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, next, we go to Balana's quarters. Janeway mm. enters, and there's incense burning. Yes. Which I've never, have we ever seen in incense? Maybe in Tuvok. In or... Tuvok, at Club Tuvok we have, but we have not seen it in Club I've Balana. never seen Club mm. Balana have incense, but she's you. got it going on. She also, I made a note, she's got three pads in her hand. <laughs> she's literally holding three pads. Multitasking. I, what, what occurred to me, so, you know, I work in Canada right now. I have a Canadian phone. Right. And you have and a US have, phone. A U.S. phone, yeah. but I actually have two U.S. phones because what? my old U.S. I got a new phone, and some oh. of my stuff is still in my old. So I have had moments where I've literally had three phones in my oh hand. My People God. tease me at work. They're I, like, "Yeah, how many phones? Where's you, Robbie's phones?" You <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, Balana's been trying to copy me in my Canadian phone situation with her three pads." Janeway walks in with the incense and. Um, Balana says, yes, it's a relaxant and it expels demons. It's an ancient Klingon remedy, expels which I demons. love that she's sort of, she's sort of embracing her Klingon she side. She is here. embracing her culture and her, her heritage. Mm -hmm. And she's, uh, she's really mad. And the captain yeah. says, losing you is unacceptable. I'm the mm -hmm. captain. I had to make a decision. And I love Balana's line where she says, you know, captain, you can't order someone to get rid of an emotion. Yes. I love that line. Yeah, she's snappy. Snappy Torres. I yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the captain turns to leave. And I noticed as Kate turned and headed towards the door, she hesitated a second and then the door opened. And it just reminded me of all the times we would walk to a door to a door and it would either not open. We'd, you know, in theory, they're supposed now, to you open just said and we just all the times. It's let's be let's be it's precise. Often, it is rare when it, it was happened. rare. Usually right. Will Toms did the doors. Yes. He was phenomenal. Yes. But sometimes, and I I feel like I caught it where she turns and then it opens, and then she went, Yeah, just a hair. Yeah. He, um, but also you remember sometimes we'd have to do a takeover because the doors would shut and they would bounce. <laughs> yes. Because they had sort of like a yeah, they had, they a, had a, a rubber gasket or something. And so yeah. If, if Will pulled them too hard, they would right. sort of they would bounce. bounce off of each other and they didn't yeah. want that. So. And we couldn't catch the bounce on camera. So no, no, because then it would go, it'd go, it would yeah. do that, but it didn't yeah. do that. So we would have to redo that. We go back to the hollow lab. And uh, I did notice back here that we, it was the shot started on a cart or something and then tilted up as the doctor comes in. Yeah. And I noticed the carpet for the first time. And then ah. I thought, oh, every. Every spaceship in the Delta Quadrant has carpet yeah. because all these sets had carpet for sound yeah. to make it a That's little right. less echoey and a little yeah. better sound quality. Krell wants to listen to opera like they had discussed, mm -hmm. um, but but he asks, are you still wrestling with your ethical subroutines? Which mm -hmm. I thought was a good line. Yeah, the doctor tells Krell that the captain left the decision up to him. Right. And uh, he cannot in good conscience Mm -hmm. continue to make use of it anymore mm -hmm. and i noticed that bob was reading off of a pad as if he had written this down i'm sure that you know it was like the doctor had to make his notes and he wanted to come in and read what he read mm -hmm. but it, it reminded me when we had pads and we were supposed to be reading off of them it was never the thing on the pad that we were supposed to be reading they never Correct. put that on the pad so you always Correct. had to ignore what was really on the pad and remember what you were doing it was harder it was like doubly it, hard it's harder but i do think that depending on where the camera was we could have written it down on paper and just pasted it with tape on there oh that's and just true looked at it. that's you know true. what i'm saying yeah and i do recall maybe that might have happened uh, with a actor or two and uh, during mm -hmm. the seven years it might have happened so 
Yeah, yeah maybe but, he did that because it did look like he was reading something mm-hmm. and as if, yeah. he, as if the doctor had prepared the speech and he was going to read it out loud. Correct. But I didn't know if he was really reading, you know, normally that's never printed on. That. Yeah, no, the standard pad that we have is just some other gibberish that's printed gibberish. on that, that thing. Exactly. That it has nothing to do with the lines. So Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Krell uh, gets angry at this. He reminds mm-hmm. the doctor that these techniques that he finds so disgusting are the things that save Torres. That's right. And he says, you're going to, you're going to need me again. There's yeah. going to be some new unknown mm-hmm. life form or, or challenge ahead that I'll be vital to you guys surviving. The doctor says mm-hmm. his uh, doctor's oath says first do no harm, which mm-hmm. was in my limerick, by the way. Um, <laughs> and Thanks uh, for the reminder. <laughs> yes. Okay. And the doctor ultimately orders the computer to delete Krell. Yeah. And his eyes go wide. And just before he can say anything, He's deleted and the, yeah. and and the whole thing is deleted so we have this nice cool transition on the holodeck where you see the whole set and the whole uh yeah everything and- disappear and he walks out and kind of a crane shot as we go up he heads back to uh back to life on the ship but it's a bookend scene it's a bookend scene the first scene is in the holodeck right and the last scene mm-hmm. is in the holodeck mm-hmm. exactly the bare holodeck where you can see all yep. the the uh the, the mechanisms behind the mm-hmm. holodeck all right. So what is your rating of this episode, which was written so well by Jerry Taylor? Great yeah. lines in this episode. What are you going to give it? Real One great to 10. script. I'm going to give this a seven out of 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it was really well acted. It was really well written. The reason um, that I go, I feel like there were a couple of things. Fundamentally, I think this alien looked bad. This li- this. What did we call it again? Elizabeth? Uh, yeah, Elizabeth. The Elizabeth just didn't look very cool to me. It looked okay. like, and so I constantly was like, the the fundamental jeopardy of this episode hinges on this creature being so exotic and unexplainable. Mm-hmm. And it looks, it just fundamentally looked like rubber. So yeah. Um, yeah, so okay. that was one of the reasons. And then there was a couple other things like breaking through the force field, which mm-hmm. led to this whole problem. I just yeah. never explained. I don't understand it. Yeah, The giant shaking. The, I don't know. There was a few things that took it down a notch for me, mm-hmm. but I think at its core, it's a good episode. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. I Yeah, I'm going to give it a 7.2. So similar nope. to yours. I gave it a 0.2 because I really like Jerry Taylor's script. I, I yes. felt that it was a strong script well-written so i'm going to give it a little bit more nice all right what do we have as our consensus for our our consensus so our admirals and captains on patreon uh who participated all kinds of things with us yes they're now voting we have an average score for this episode from our captains and our admirals great and the score on average from them they give this episode a 7.6. 7.6. 7.6. So okay. we were pretty close. We're pretty, we were pretty close. close. Mm-hmm. So if we were on the prices right, I would have I would have won that showcase. I would have walked up. Yes, you would have. Yes. You would have. Yeah, you were two points higher than me. Yes. So. Point, point two. Point two higher than you. Closer to point six. Okay. <laughs> nice. uh, what do you think the theme is for you in this? Episode? Uh, my theme for me, um, I, I would say it has to do with when. When Krell was talking about how his hospital, his civilian hospital, didn't have all the resources that the military hospital had, and that he truly had to adapt, and I and I think also the doctor had to adapt in how to treat Balana because he had no clue. So yeah. this, so that is really my lesson from this episode is that when you know when you are faced against a, a problem which seems insurmountable, you have to learn how to adapt some way somehow. You have to turn mm-hmm. into MacGyver and and get it done. So get it done. Mm-hmm. Interesting. My theme was to never forget that yeah. we are benefiting from situations where people have suffered in the past, whether it's, you know, um, vaccines, whether mm-hmm. it's medicine, whether it's mm-hmm. just uh, the comfort of heating and air conditioning, refrigeration, right. like people didn't have that and suffered and, and many people died in those mm-hmm. situations. And the solutions we have now are based on because people had suffered. Yeah. 
you know, hardship, pain, illness, whatever right. it was before. Right. And just to sort of honor that, that there was suffering and then how, how, and having gratitude for what we have now and, and maybe learning the lesson of some of that suffering was accidental in the past. And we learned from it. Sometimes it was intentional suffering mm. that we had to learn from. And so moving forward to, uh, to learn and do better, be grateful okay. and do better. All right. That's all. That's cool. my theme. Thank you everyone for joining us for our discussion of nothing human. Join us next week when Robbie and I will be talking about the episode 30 days, 30 mm. days. Oh, Ooh. I like the 30. title. 30 yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. All, right. all right. See you next week. Thanks everybody. See you next week.